All right. Well, welcome to the Redemptification Podcast. I'm glad to be back with you today. And we've got a great interview today. He's got a fabulous beard and a good camera, <laughs> which you may or may not be able to see, depending on if this has video for you. Um, Chris Miroff is a faith-driven entrepreneur investor and entrepreneur like we are. He has that entrepreneurial lens. He currently owns a variety of startups from different industries throughout Austin and Maine, ranging from hospitality, restaurants, education, farming, medical, community development. He's done a lot of dang stuff. Let's just say that. He's written books. He seems to work hard trying to raise a family of, of, of four children, I understand, mm -hmm. in Austin. And uh, we're glad to have you here today. Well, thanks for having me on. It's a blessing so to be here. Well, I love the fact that the way you've kind of the way your life has evolved. Tell us a little bit about the, this story of how does somebody yeah. end up having all these experiences? Well, outside of being a little crazy uh, and, and trying all these things, um, you know, it's been a path that, uh, you know, if you had sat me down uh, 20 years ago and kind of uh, sketched this out, uh, put this on a storyboard, I would have said, you're nuts. Um, there's no way uh, this is going to be my life. And uh, so it's exciting each and every day uh, to figure out what God has for me uh, next. And so I would just say that uh, the, the story really revolves around um, understanding what uh, doors of opportunity look like. Um, and then uh, be, uh, I think being brave enough uh, to open, uh, kick down or jump through those doors, uh, depending on, on, you know, what's in front of you. So that's kind of my story and, and my journey is it's really one door after another, uh, no real plan, no real um, exe executable strategy that I can sit here and say, hey, this is how you do it. Um, it's literally, uh, I feel like God put things in front of me and, uh, and then asked me to, to follow him in faith. What an incredible journey. Uh, it, it, you know, I, some people I say you plan like everything depends on it. So hopefully you can live like nothing does. And, yes. you know, you can be like me. And my wife says I'm entrepreneurially promiscuous. You know, I, 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 I don't see any idea that seems bad at the beginning, just about about business and things. I love it. Yes. But, but so how, but you're an opportunity guy then. It's like you just kept yeah. doing the next. One of my mentors says, just do the next right thing. The next the next right thing. Yeah, that's my so critical for you is like, how do you know when it's a right thing? You think that's a great question. I mean, the reality is um, right or wrong. Uh, from a decision-making uh, perspective, mm -hmm. kind of went out the door for me about eight years ago. And now it's it's more about um, trying to make the best decision I can with the information I have. And so there are wins and there are losses. Um, it's not that every door that I've uh, gone through, I've found economic success. Uh, there are losers. Um, <gasps> Don't fact, say it. I know it. There, but, but there has to be losers in order for the winners to feel um, right. And so um, I've just really embraced this idea of failing fast and following um, my instincts as it relates to people and opportunity. And so um, even when the economics uh, don't work out in some of those instances, uh, I've created lifelong friends. Um, I've, I've learned uh, along the way, like they've never been something that I've looked back on and thought, I mean, I regret that I did that. Even, even, you know, a scenario that I've, I loaned a guy a lot of money. Um, I believed in him, believed in his business. Well, it went belly up, lost everything. But, you know, that moment when he called me and said, hey, in tears, like, I, I have no way of repaying you. And the ability for me to say, that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, those those are moments uh, that stay with me forever. And so, um, again, I, I can't say that this is for the faint of heart. Um, you have to have a bit of resilience uh, baked in, which I think we all do. Um, but there's this there's this reality that says, I'm going to learn, I'm going to gain uh, from each one of these opportunities. It may not be economic, it may not be financial, um, but it'll be something uh, that'll count for eternity. And that's really the big story too, right? Like, what does it count? Like, I learn a tremendous amount by failing. Um, I mean, it's it's changed. Yeah. Me. One of my favorite, you know, when I meet people like and doing it in person, not the podcast, which who knows, I may ought to try this. Um, 
I asked the same 10 questions of every person. What I learned is imagine if you ask different questions every time to different people, you can't borrow the perspective on that one thing, but asking the same questions of lots of people, you borrow their glasses. And one of my favorite ones questions that I always ask is how has failure shaped your life? So I'm going to throw that Mm. one at you a little bit today, my friend, you opened it up a new thing. Like how has failure shaped your life? Well, I'll start uh, my answer with this, that in my businesses, um, one of my favorite expressions, uh, one of my favorite uh, quotes that I walk around saying all the time um, is actually from Tom Peters. I'm not sure where he got it. Uh, but it's this, um, I reward excellent failures and punish mediocre success. And so the idea already walking into business is that I need to be looking personally for myself for those excellent failures. It's not just the people who work for me, uh, but it's, it's, what am I swinging away at today? You know, what, What's this big swing and um, and what can I learn from it? So uh, developing a lot of thick skin, honestly, and then being able to take the criticism of swinging away is so, so critical for me. You know, I, I love the way you're saying this, my friend. It's sorry about that. It's this op, it's this it's this risk of our reputation and our heart. I mean, I yes. tell people losing a business has been like losing, I've never lost a child, but it was something I cared for like that. And yes. it hurt and I, I agree. I agree. And I missed it. And and I mean I went through the stages of grief. Yes. Yeah, I'm actually kind of in that uh you know phase right now where I've got some businesses that we're having to wind down, um, just not able to get over that hurdle. Um, and create uh, sustainability. And so one of the mantras that I have is um, really try to empower the people in those businesses to take this uh, to a level of sustainability, um, but know when it's time. And and like you said, when is it, it doesn't a dead make horse? it easy. There's a grieving. Yeah, it like, feels yeah, you awful. You put smelling salts um, on the dead horse, you new whip, new sound, yeah. but the horse is dead. It, it Yeah. It's I awful. feel like giving up um, on, but it's on a business is like giving up on myself sometimes, don't you? That's right. I do. It's so yeah, personal. It's like a part of me is getting ripped out. Yeah, ripped off. And it just, it feels awful. It feels awful. But if you yeah. can have the wherewithal to capture some of the learnings there and some of the yes. takeaways in the I will nevers. Oh, that's right. Man, it's that, huge. You're your not to do list ought to grow great through the failures. And that's really the valuable thing. we Exactly. Have. Exactly. And so when other people look at my life and see where I am today, you know, a lot of people be like, man, I want to do what you do. And so I'm always reminded John Maxwell. Yeah. John Maxwell says it. Well, he's like, uh, you know, um, this kid came up to him at a conference and said, Hey John, I want to do what you do. Um, and John goes, well, you have to be willing to do what I did. Um, in order to get here. And so, uh, you know, I'm not here because I was careful. I'm here because um, I was determined. um, And that means you have to wade through a lot of loss. Like you said, a lot of grieving, a lot of heartache, a lot of hurt um, in order to get to this place. I've lost friendships I love. I've lost people I wanted to be with. I've lost things I always longed to do. I actually lost joyful hobbies that became business and i lost yeah yep it's not for the faint of heart it really takes a lot to figure out okay every day i'm gonna go pour my heart and soul into this thing i'm an all-in kind of (laughs) guy um and then to see it kind of slip through your fingers uh for one reason or other it's just painful and especially when you know the, the bible talks about pruning and if if mm-hmm. if you're if you're fruitful, you get pruned. But if you're not fruitful, yes. you get pruned. Yeah, it, it's That's right. Al- it's always there. This pruning, and for us, um, you know, Ash, my wife, runs all our companies now, and and she took over 
all of them five years ago. And the first thing she did is begin to consolidate and prune things down because the more wasn't what we didn't know what it was for. And she just said, just tell me what the more is for. Once I know what the yes. more is for, we can get more. But, That's right. But I was just excitable. Yeah. And so, so that's really what we're talking about here is, and and you've lived it as an entrepreneur. How do you see the alignment between who you are personally and what you want to do professionally and the companies you go into and the things you care about? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that your wife was asking what's the more, because that's really what my wife and I have been talking about over the last probably four years is what are we doing this for? Like, what's the, um, you know, what I, are we writing? Is it worth about our the next, Yeah. What about excited about taking the next hill? It's right. like, okay, well, what am I, what am I doing this for? And so we've created a venture capital fund that's really focused on commerce for kingdom. And so, you know, for us, we want to create economic development um, in areas that are more depressed, um, uh, have a lot more poverty so that um, we can not gain personal wealth, but then, uh, but instead, we get to represent uh, his kingdom uh, to this community. And so that really kind of forms for us our more. The other businesses that we have have to support that mission. And right. so if they detract from that mission, um, we have to prune them um, so that we can pour all that growth and energy in, into the fruit that we want to bear. And that's uh, this idea that um, we want to create employment. Um, we want it to be fulfilling employment, God honoring employment, um, uh, employment that honors uh, the employee and their dignity and the fact that they have intrinsic value. Um, and so that's really where we end up pouring all of our energy and effort. And that kind of translates both personally and professionally. So we get to show up as our whole selves uh, at work um, and with uh, our employees, uh, with our CEOs uh, in a way that's hopefully um, aligned. Um, and so they're not wondering, okay, well, Chris and Sue, when they show up here today, I have to worry about what they're hoping for. Uh, they know uh, right. why we're there and and what we're wanting for each one of our employees. Yeah. It's important. And, and for me and Ash, you know, I don't make the decisions without her and I getting aligned. I believe unity mm -hmm. is power as a couple. Now it, it takes some work to get to, and one of my mentors said, let peace yep. be your umpire. Like you need to, her, mm -hmm. her and I need to follow peace. But for you, what, what I love is once you have a financial finish line, you know what's enough. Like my first mentor asked me three questions. He said, I'll help you. I know at the time I was broke and stupid, didn't have $500 for the power bill. Ash was having to trade casseroles to keep <laughs> our power from getting shut off because they put the boys would give you a day or yep. two on the casserole, you know? You just hit the lineman guy, he'll take off again, come back on the later thing. Well, we're there. Yep. And, and what he said, so how much is enough? That took us almost six months. Because what I think is the hardest thing about that is you have to really ask, how do I want to live? And then yes. pull that back down into how much do I need to have? How much is enough? And what That's is right. what is what should a faithful steward like me be paid for what I'm stewarding? That's right. And so once we yeah, and the reality that, is, then you can be like you're saying, just then above that line, just plan on giving and living, doing great things right. with what you've been entrusted. Yeah, because for us, we we just don't think about, okay, well, we've been the smartest people on the planet. We've been the cleverest. Um, we've been the bravest. We've been all these things that you could think of. We've not been that. Um, and yet here we are blessed beyond measure. And so we ask ourselves all the time, well, why would why would he why would he give us um, abundance? And so um, I think what he's done is he's really allowed for Sue and I, my wife and I, to think through, okay, well, this abundance is here for a reason. And what he's, uh, I think, continually communicating to us is, what are you going to do now each and every day to earn that? So it's not what I've done to earn it. It's what will I continue to do? And so that abundance now needs to be you know, given uh, out in ways that are really focused on creating economic growth uh, for a community. And so that's really why um, we invest the way we do up in the state of Maine. Uh, we happen to uh, be in the poorest town in the state. Uh, it's one of the poorest towns in the country. 
And our goal is to create full-time employment there uh, for uh, folks that have had uh, generational poverty. Uh, there's generational addiction, generational drugs. And so our goal is to get in there and instead of just yelling yelling uh, at people to, to get, you know, be better um, and stop doing terrible things and live a moral life, we're really trying to create uh, an economic stability that allows them maybe for the first time in their lives to realize that they also have intrinsic value and uh, it's it's that they are enough. And once they realize they're enough, we really believe they can understand that they can be better. Um, and that's kind of the the purpose of this Commerce for Kingdom uh, fund that we've created. What a, And you know, it, it so harmonizes with what me and Ash care about. See, we say we want our companies to produce social, spiritual, and economic capital. This is a story of the Good yes. Samaritan. You know, he was going along and he met his social needs and he met his economic needs. Yes. And then we believe the door opened wide open for the spiritual. And so we measure right. those and we say that God wants us to be faithful. Like if he's entrusted you and I with certain amount of dollars, he expects all of those things to be fig trees that grow figs social, right. spiritual, and economic capital. So if our, he can entrust as much to us as long as we know where the glory goes and we're yes, living in relationship. Right. If if it's a me glory, if it's a me thing, I point this way, who did it? And it's this way. I tell people, come to Opelika. And if you don't see God working through idiots, leave. If you think we're so smart, <laughs> don't do business with right. But you ought to see right. God moving through our the things we do. It yes. ought to be better than we are. That's right. Yep. I and love that's what you're doing. Really so, what, yeah. So how do you pick the companies like, and how do you invest alongside them with your with your fund? You, are y'all like you own them all, or you're you have partnerships, or how do you how do you think about that? So we are probably two years in uh, up in Maine uh, in this little town, and um, so far we've been uh, generating a lot of the revenue, a lot of the economic development with a farm. So that's really where we've uh, kind of centered our focus. But then uh, ancillary to that, I helped a guy up there start a construction company. Well, that thing has taken off um, and it's opened up opportunities to expand what that construction company does, uh, really looking at getting into all the trades. And so that's led us into this um, decision now to say, okay, well, we want to work with the local high schools there um, to encourage a lot more kids to get into the trades. Um, and so we're now recruiting directly out of high school, uh, these That's kids smart. to join us on this journey, um, because we know that they're going to have access to something they'll never get at college, um, which is hopefully a reflection of who Jesus is and not just in the, in the work itself, but in, in how we show up, uh, each and every day. And so, uh, you know, get to them young, um, uh, have a, a great, stable, full-time employment where they get to love what they do, love who they do it with, um, so that, you know, they're addicted uh, to having and finding fulfillment at work um, so that they can then bring that into their home life. Dude, you're nailing it. That's tr that's it. See, I tell people, I was a drug addict for a while. I tried it. I'm good at whatever I do like that. I can point an addiction <laughs> toward it. See, I think we're all born addicts. We're just addicted to the wrong yeah. stuff. And yes. if you, you know how I tell people I know when someone's going to quit drugs and alcohol. I was hooked on meth, ended up in the attic mm. of my house fixing to hang myself. But I mm. take one thing I realize, Jesus is better. That's yes. who we're built to be addicted to now. And I That's tell right. people, I said, once, if you find him, if you find something better, you're set free. That's but right. meaningful work was designed by God in the garden, and it is a That's part right. of a, a basic life. And so I grew up in the trades. My dad was a master electrician, my brother, master electrician. Yeah. I, he, my dad, I never got it. He said, you got satisfied, but not certified. So, but I learned a lot <laughs> from my dad, but what I learned, my dad told me this as an old man, he said, son, one day a trade is going to be like a college education. And he said, a college yeah. education is going to be like a trade. Yep. We're I, there. We're brought there. Yeah. No, we're there. We've it, been in the construction yeah. business 30 years. I mean, we've got around us that we're just in this two blocks. We got $63 million worth of development going. Yeah. 
And you want to talk That's... about how hard it is to find a fabulous plumber. People say, well, we ain't got so that. Our, our plumber's not that good. I thought you ain't seen the last one. I said, it's yeah. hard to find a great plumber, electrician or HVAC guy. And these guys are going to have a living. They're going to continue to rise in income and valuable, um, valuable just in every way in the future. That's right. It's hard to get a robot to fix somebody's washing machine or when their electrical's not That's working right. or the sewer's jammed up. This stuff is, we're going to need it's, trades. We're going to need it. 65% of the jobs that are open right now in the United States are in the trades. And yet we're still graduating kids and telling them they all need to go to college. So 95% of the kids are going to college to fill 35% of the jobs that are open. It, the math just doesn't work. And so <laughs> that's one of the things that we're really focused on. And so one of the other phrases we use all the time is that we really want to invest in the main street, not wall street. And so uh, the reality that, that uh, building and using your hands and um, really the tactile nature of work um, it, it creates such a bond between people. Um, and I, I come from the cubicle world. I come from the white collar um, world. And I tell you, it's it's a lot harder to build a culture uh, in the white collar um, than it is in the blue collar. Um, blue collar well, because you're doing it side by side. It's like a football yeah. team almost. And people help and do a good play. I mean, it is, you know, one of the most um, job, uh, the jobs that retain the most talent demolition because they know what they got done <laughs> each day. and framing no kidding those guys are yeah. so rewarded like you'll hear them at the end of the day look how knocked out four rooms today boys do something with that or they'll be you know it's this excitement over accomplishing yeah. something i mean some of us have to get it from sweeping the garage these days but these boys or are mowing the lawn stuff all right yeah you mow your lawn you're like man look at that that look looks that good thing. You're out and standing yeah. out there admiring it, looking at the yeah. lines. In it. <laughs> exactly. No, we exactly. To, God built us to co-create with him and yes. building what we love. And one thing we're not all right with when the people who build houses can't afford them, something's broken. And we believe That's right. beautiful and affordable is, is, is a, I believe God's got things going in this world. Okay. We're, yeah. we're dreaming about this. We're praying about this. We believe beautiful and affordable. The world will know it's God. Okay, right. because beautiful doesn't go with affordable. Poor people get no. ugly. Rich people get pretty is the way the system works. But what if you get the yeah. pretty to like we said this human flourishing in a place is when the people who have the least are experiencing the most. That's flourishing. Yes, exactly. And that's really what we're trying to figure out up in this little poor town in Maine is it's beautiful. It's on the coast. Uh, it's it just, it's, I mean, uh, you talk about, you know, natural beauty. It's got the ocean, it's got forests, it's got mountains. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and so you, you've got all this beauty around you and only the very few can afford the homes in that area, the wealthy. And so that, that's one of our big uh, challenges is to create uh, affordable housing uh, in this in this area. You pay, you know, a lot of money for uh, a very old, old, run down, dirty apartment. Um, and so that's one of the very things that we're trying to flip in that town is, OK, we've got to create affordable housing. It's uh, important, it's a, but, but it's, a big problem. You, it's vertically aligning this like I think this topic. So what we've learned, OK, we've done 300 properties in 10 blocks in our city. Started 60 yep. businesses to save our town. That started taking us all over America. And I believe we have the answer for what you just asked, honestly. Yeah. The way we see it is we need patrons. Those are people of peace who love a place and are willing to commit economic, social, and spiritual capital. And as you said, yep. my brother, so well, put their reputation at risk to yes. love a place. That's right. For love's sake. And then you've got to vertical align all the disciplines for there to be enough money, in my opinion, because the capital is difficult to do in these things. OK, so I yeah. think it starts it, our target. Our customer is the tenant or the operator. So we build the business model for them that works so they can make a life sustaining wage. And then we ratchet up over time their success to our success as we share in the risk and the reward. Yes, I love and that. And then that stat all the way back up to the we don't ask the cat, let the capital say here, how much could we get paid? We tell them how much they should get paid. And it's us mm -hmm. all the way. 
So we're speaking yeah. and informing to every hat from from the operations to the construction to the capital to the asset manager. Everything stacked up, and in all those disciplines, there's a lot of percentages, right? Three, five, seven, exactly. Three, five. You stack all those together. Now we can get a return that is That's the right. return of your investment and the return on your investment. That's the deal exactly. we believe in. And again, me and Ash, we just idiots got saved. Been doing this stuff. Yeah. Never had any outside capital. We just chopping wood. And so yep. the good Lord has blessed us to make this thing works. And I, I feel like it. we waited 25 years to get right here. That we could have yeah. a voice to say, God cares about cities, people and places. Yep. He's that kind of God. He drew lines all over the Middle East about, hey, you take care of this. I'm going to have you take care of that. Watch this. And so that's right. He does that to entrepreneurs like us. So I'm grateful that your heart has been knit to this place. And, and it's probably started by relationships. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. And sustained by relationships and the community. And, you know, we've got uh, incredible folks uh, that really operate up there. Uh, and we get to, you know, pop in, uh, love them well, um, and make sure, obviously, that they're you know, needs are all met, um, but see them kind of discover um, the way God sees them. Um, and so for us, it's this trying to reflect back on on them, the nature of who they are, um, so that we can uh, nurture uh, who they're meant to be. It's, it's, see, that's what we believe you pick people, not businesses. Like we're that's more, right. we're interested in leaders because I, I, I hadn't, I've never made a good deal with a bad guy. I tried. Yeah, that's right. And I've never made a bad deal with a good guy. Yep. A bad deal with a good guy, that guy will make it a good deal somehow. Later on, he'll remember yes. something happened. Some, that's right. But, but but we got to look at the people. And I love the way you're saying that. Like for us, people are, pri that's a kingdom priority. Relationship. Number one. We're going to spend forever together. Let's get the hang of this thing. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Really pouring into people, making sure they understand their intrinsic value. Um, so and, how do you um, help people understand their value like that? Like, give me a couple of tips for our, for us. Yeah. Like, how do we help people feel more valued in what they're doing? I think two things uh, that I spend most of my time on uh, and talking about uh, training uh, other entrepreneurs and CEOs, um, one would be alignment. And so um, in any organization, it's, it's so important to fight for alignment. And so, this concept that we can agree to disagree, but we can also get on the same page um, and head in the same direction together um, is so, so critical. Mm -hmm. Because what happens with most employees is that they have this um, uncertainty that exists. And we all know that when you're uncertain, um, we tend to go to our own corner and, and we fight for ours uh, and we get kind of this. Well, you uh, feel like you uh, have to, right? You feel like you have to. I'm like, I don't know if anybody else is looking out for me, so I'm going to look out for me. I'm going to look out for mine. Um, and so we we try to um, align so that we remove all uncertainty uh, with employees uh, in an or any organization. Because uncertainty is a sense of it keeps the alignment off all the time if you're uncertain. All the time. Yeah. Think about think about anybody who's ever um, or you yourself, maybe you you delivered a project or a task mm -hmm. Um uh, on time, ahead of maybe ahead of time, on budget, maybe under budget, whatever it is. But then that person that you delivered it to wasn't satisfied. Um, maybe they they just weren't maybe as excited. Maybe you just uh, accomplished. Oh, you're breaking my heart here, Chris. I could I yeah. remember the names and the stories. I'm I'm back yeah. there. Think about it, and then you wow. walk away going, "Man, I thought that's what they wanted." Like it's this. This idea that you're you're disappointing, you're letting someone down, and you tried uh, your very best. To, you tried your very and best. really thought you knocked the cover off the ball. Yeah, I did a great I, this job. Should, I killed it, and then <laughs> they were like, "Eh, on to the next thing." It just it just breeds <sighs> uncertainty, um, and so this idea that you know leadership, when you boil it all down at the end of the day, um, if everybody knew what to do and when to do it, you wouldn't need leaders. Um, but what you need leaders for is to help cultivate uh, this vision um, so that they know when to do it. They know how to do it. They know what that when they deliver it, you get to celebrate together. You're like, oh, man, you crushed that. I mean, that that creates a lot of certainty for that person. Oh, yeah. And so that's alignment's a big piece of that. And then the other one 
um, is uh, for me this idea of uh, really um, letting empathy and vulnerability um, um, allow your people to feel like they're known, heard, and valued. And mm. when somebody feels known, heard, and valued, what you're really having to do as a leader is every day when you walk into work, and, and I have to make this conscious decision still every single day, every meeting, every conversation, I have to walk into a room and intentionally trade my greatness for theirs. Mm. So I have to trade away my power because as an owner, as an entrepreneur, as a boss, as a larger than life personality, I've got, I wield a lot of power. And so I have to become aware of it and then trade that power for the greatness in my people. And so we talk about this greatness. It really uh, is the idea that we are created in his image and his image is in his character. Um, mm. It's in the soft skills of life. Uh, things like kindness and compassion and loyalty and patience and uh, you know, all these things that maybe we struggle sometimes to figure out how do they show up well at work? Well, the, the companies that win have figured out how they show up at work. Right. And they've they oper- really, I was asking, they, I said they've operationalized yeah. this, right? That's it. Like operationalized they, empathy or something. That's right. They have figured out that if they spend more time talking about soft skills than hard skills, their company always wins. And so that's really what we spend most of our time, you know, talking about. And that's how we let, I think, a person find dignity at work. Um, There's this notion that goes around and and we've heard it a lot, but this work-life balance. But I love how Simon Sinek says, unfortunately, that can't exist because that means that those two forces have to be opposing. Mm. You can't balance things that don't oppose. And so those things are not opposing. Work is a part of life. So it's more about work-life it's, integration. It's an integrated life. Exactly. Right? It's yeah, literally it's... work-life integration is what we talk about. Right. And how do you integrate it? Well, you're not going to be able to do that if you're not really letting your your employees or you feel like you can bring your whole self to work. No, and, that's what and, we, and you nailed yeah. it. Dude, you say so many smart things. Holy moly. Here's the thing. I, I think it, about this very topic when we talk about like, how do you get people's buy-in? I said, well, first they need a preferred future. If they know where they're going and what they're dreaming of and what you're doing aligns and gives them hope for their dream to come true. That's it. That thing's going to work because people are down on what they're not up on. That's right. They won't like, how does what I'm doing here fit in the grander vision of why I'm alive? And I love your, trading your greatness, I have used what the way I say it is you can impress or you can empower, but you can't do both. You have to choose. And as leaders, there's a power dynamic that you brought up that I honestly, until very recently, didn't even notice. That that, that us have a power, as leaders have a power dynamic. And it came up with my oldest son, Nelson. He's working with us now. And I said something about work harshly. And he took it personally. And we sat down and talked later. He said, Dad, imagine if your top three mentors had said something very pointed to you. I said, oh, it crushed me. He said, that's the power your words have. Yeah, it's huge, right? Oh, my God, the weight of my words. And I didn't know, Chris. I mean, that's the thing you're saying. I had no idea. We just go around like thinking, oh, and everybody's like us. This is easy. Well, in the morning. Yeah, because in the morning, there are many mornings when I'm, you know, not full of confidence, not full of, uh, you know, uh, my passion and, and excitement. I'm looking in the mirror at this baby-faced, chubby middle school kid. I mean, that that's who I am. I'm an idiot. <laughs> right. And so this idiot goes to work, and I'm just a goofy idiot. No, people are walking away with the dumbest things that I say, and they are taking them as directives. They're walking away doing stuff because I was spitballing in a meeting. And that, and they're like, I ran out and I did that thing for you, man. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. It, the, the, the ping pong of emotions that I create because I just was unaware of the power that I was, I was wielding. It, it's, it really causes a lot of havoc. And so yeah. that's one of the things that we talk to leaders about. You've got to understand the power dynamic in any scenario, honor it by trading it for their greatness. And it has to be intentional. That does not happen. Um, you know, I don't accidentally walk through the halls of the office here and trade that away. I've got to think about every single human being I'm going to interact with. And and I thankfully have gotten a discipline now in the mornings. I I pray over my calendar. Uh, my uh, That's every a good meeting, idea, I, boss. 
And I look at each uh, name that's going to be in those meetings. And I, and I just think to myself, how can I trade my power for their greatness today? I'm going to have some time with them. How do I show up in a way that they can maybe understand a little bit more of the greatness that I see in them mm-hmm. rather than the failings they see when they, when they look into their own mirror. Um, again, I think about this chubby middle school kid and I have to come to work and I have to start thinking about how, how can I overcome that? How can I like show up today? And I'm not this insecure middle school kid that all the girls, you know, didn't want to date, you know, when I was in middle school and, and how can I, how can I come to work? And then I get here and I have people who love me and they care about me and they remind me of my greatness. Yeah. And they lean in. The people that love you and closest to you that I said, call them lifters and leaners. I said, you need a lifter to leaner ratio, but, but this, our identity, like I remember about seven years after we extravagantly belly flopped our life, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in an extravagant way and took us seven (laughs) years to get back to zero because we didn't file bankruptcy. Well, Seven more years after that, we done work and paid off this money and was working hard and doing pretty good. Well, I would still say, hey, sorry about my past. I know what I did. Yeah. They said, you're the only one talking about it. That's See, right. it, like you say, for us, it's yeah. still easy to be those broken people that made we. I still struggle to believe the stuff that's happening. And, that's and right. I, you also wonder, well, since it's not me. This this thing could have a ton of trouble real quick because I'm not even I didn't get me here, so I certainly can't keep me here. Exactly. And and we rarely do see ourselves the way God sees us. We either think wow. way too highly or way too lowly. Um we just our our emotions tend to control, you know, how we how we see ourselves. And so now, you know, as I come to work every day, as I interact with our people, it's what can I do to reflect how God sees them? Now I can only get a sliver. But first, I've got to look for it. I've got to, I've got to look for the greatness in my people. I've got to understand what they bring. You nailed to the table. it. That's it. And once you know, I tell I people do, if you want to find a new Ford pickup it. truck, you got to know what one looks like in the parking lot. Exactly. And so your awareness right. of greatness, like maybe that's the question we ask as we go in today. What's one great thing I can see about everybody I'm going to see or something? Because it's exactly. all around us, right? That's right. It's all there. Uh, and to deny it means that we don't have intrinsic value and that we're not made in his image. Yeah. And one thing I can tell you, we're valuable beyond measure. Here we come back. It's crazy thing. Oh, that was cool. I just talked right away to your head sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's what here's what I, I think though is I mean we're you know what I like to say when I forget I said you want to know what my net worth is Jesus mm-hmm. that's what people like me cost yeah exactly Ooh, that's strong there's <laughs> the value right that's right you know the, ba- the value, value is in what was traded he did he said you know value. when you if you, if you're an it, if you're an idiot and go buy a hundred thousand dollar home for a million dollars, you set the value. Yeah. At least to the person you gave the million dollars to. That's right. And, and, and so that's what we got. We that's got, what we, he, he said, look, we got it more. all. All right. Yeah. And so this extravagant it. love is incredible that, that that's someone right. like him would love someone like me. And that he, then he would say, Hey, you want to have fun with me? Co-create some stuff. I got stuff yes. going everywhere. You want to join up with me in some in yeah. the family business? I'm like, Oh, exactly. man, that would be, he'd be an awesome partner. Yeah. He's way <laughs> exactly. smarter. Got a lot more yep. money than me. Yep. I love it. It's good stuff. I do love the way you see this. You see things so practically. Um, it, it's really it's really interesting. I, I I love it. I'm harmonizing with a lot of what you're saying. What about what I affectionately call when I do it micro leading, but my wife would call it condor leadership where you fly in and take a dump and fly off, you know, or, or <laughs> give, give big long lists, you know, where you just tell yeah. them, pick up this, do this, do this. So what about micro leading or micromanaging? You, you ever have any of that stuff y'all guys have to think about? Oh gosh, I mean it defined most of my career up until about eight years ago. Just this command and control style. It's what I thought leadership was. Mm. You know, you show up 
Um, and you've, you've got answers. I'm a, I'm a great problem solver. I am super calm in a storm. And so give me crisis. I, I thrive in that. I can, I can handle it. But over the last eight years, God has really worked at me to say, okay, well, you then are always the glass ceiling in, in any organization that you're a part of. Um, and people have a harder time finding me when you're, when you're taking all the glory. Um, and so um, it really kind of launched me into this mentality of uh, trying to become unnecessary every single day. Um, and the way that we become, I become unnecessary is again, the, the uh, lifting up of the other people around me. It's, um, it's in enabling, way, delegating, empowering. Is. I mean, it's doing exactly. what business is designed to do, right? In the best That's right. Place. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to scale a business, uh, then you need to develop the next generation of leader. I mean, that's kind of business 101 is that you can't yourself scale any business to any major size by yourself. You, you've got to bring people along mm -hmm. on the journey. But um, I would always... Uh, in my businesses, uh, and I would tout this, um, and I would say this all the time, but people would talk about my high risk tolerance. And I do have a high risk tolerance for money, but I had a very, very low risk tolerance for time. Um, and so it develops a lot of impatience, and I'm trying to move at the speed of light in order to get these things going because I'm excited and I, and I want to accomplish a lot. So I, I always just really bemoan the fact that, okay, with, with money, I don't mind having a high risk tolerance because I can make more. That right. that's God just gives me gifts and I, and it feels like I could go make more money. Um, with time, I I was like I can't make more time, and so it's okay that I'm impatient. It's okay that I'm like running a thousand miles an hour, and people just have to, you know, uh, get over this professional whiplash that constantly is happening because I'm, you know, ping ponging around. Uh, but through this process of alignment and through this process of of really. Uh, becoming vulnerable and living out empathy. Um, he allowed me, we figured out together uh, how we make more time. And that's really, again, becoming unnecessary, uh, helping somebody else rise up. And so now there are a bunch of better versions of me running out there, running around out there, uh, getting stuff done. And we're all, like I said, we're all aligned toward the same mission, uh, the same vision. So I think it, about it just accomplishes way more. Parenting yeah. the same way, you know, I, I think, you know, they say the, the stages are caretaker, cop, coach, and if you're trustworthy counselor, that's where I am in yeah. my kid's life. They're both yep. got their own kids and doing, but, but if I'm faithful and trustworthy, they'll say, dad, what do you think about this? Right. That's right. But, but if Infinite. you're not faithful if, and if they don't want what you got, you got to wonder what you have. <laughs> exactly. If your daggum feet ain't lining up with your mouth or your marriage right. ain't something they long for. Now yep. we got to look in the mirror. And I love the, you know, I thought about the mirror thing. I think there's three mirrors I see in my life. One's God's word. One's God's people. And then's also God's spirit. These yeah, things, absolutely. he gives me mirrors of myself. And sometimes he yeah. gives me the privilege to be a loving mirror to someone who I care about. To yep. hold up and say, this is what God says about you, or this is what he says about Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I totally agree. What about parenting, though? So how do you how do you put this thing where the rubber meets the road? Yeah, well, it really works the same way. And unfortunately, I didn't discover all this until my kids were grown. Um, and so I... You're going to you know, do excellent grandkids, though. Yeah, well, exactly, uh, which we don't have yet. Um, but we have four it's adult awesome. kids. Awesome! I can't wait. I got I'm, two. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but it really kind of goes down to this men mentality of because I get told by nonprofits and by others, oh, this what you're talking about doesn't work because I have a bunch of volunteers. And I always tell them, well, the reality is, you should have been treating, you should be treating your employees, your kids as volunteers. I mean, <clears throat> emotionally, they don't have to show up tomorrow. In fact, we've seen an entire generation um, not show up at work. Um, and Gen Z are saying, um, you know, give me something worth showing up for. And uh, a lot of, you know, boomers or Gen X are kind of saying, you know, man, it wasn't this way. Well, right. But but did you enjoy it? No. So now it's like, how do we show up well um, for our kids? And that really comes back down to this reality of influence. And influence mm -hmm. is not it's not what you say to someone it's what they do with what you say and so Unpack a lot of people that a think, little bit 
tell me a little. So a lot bit. of people think it's 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 giving advice, but that's not really influence. Influence is when you give advice, they actually go and do it. That means you have influence, as opposed can give advice or have an opinion. And so it's it's one thing for somebody to say, "Hey, listen, like uh, you know, help me out with a certain scenario." You tell you tell them, you pour your heart, you give them wisdom, you give them some counsel, and they completely ignore you. Well, you didn't have any influence with that person. Yeah, we um, think about it like writing a check. A lot of times people write checks much greater than the balance of that relationship and the things. That's right. It, it comes back like to relationship. Exactly. Floor. So we have a phrase, I have a phrase I use all the time. We have to invest to influence. Mm. And your investment is like return, any return on investment. The way that you measure it is how much influence do you actually have? And so with a lot of the leaders and I still do it myself, I'll, I'll be like, man, I've really been pouring myself into this person. They still don't really seek me out for influence. So what do you call an investor who never gets any return? <laughs> a terrible investor. Oh, I was thinking of something else, but yeah. An idiot. Yeah. You're just awful. You're right. an idiot. Yeah. I mean, right. I bet but I never the get the money thing. back or any return. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so we, but we still keep treating people the same way. I personally done different it outcome. for 25 plus years at times. Yeah, that's right. That is a just shame. Ask. I told that my mentors, I just said, oh, woe is me. I can't believe this. I can't see. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I'm pouring dumb. myself into this person and and they, they still don't want to listen to me. No. Right. And they just keep. Here's the thing. One thing I heard recently was like, when someone shows you you're their character, believe them. And yeah. I thought, oh, that's harsh. And and that's that thing we talk about. That's their greatness. And so if you're looking for it, now you'll be able to call it out, celebrate right. it, rejoice in it. But yeah, if you're not yeah. if you're not looking and, for and, it. And and in the other way, like one one uh some of the most recent people we had to let go from our companies, I let them go for attitude. Yeah. Because they 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 were you know, it what does the Bible say about it? It says um, when the when the tail bearer ceases, strife ceases. That's right. One of my mentors used to say it's like it's a little bit like cow turd. He said if you leave the thing alone and it just dry up and blow away, but if somebody goes over there and stirs it all the time, it'll stay stinking. That's right. And that's what we you know, get we, inside our company sometimes stirs. And that's and we we leverage we call them guiding principles. They're basically soft skills or God skills. They're they're his character, and we we spend a lot of time talking about them, uh, reviewing them. We don't do it for behavioral management, but those guiding principles become all of our bosses. And so as soon as they're, the, they're stop, the guardrails, right on everybody, are. you included, right? every, me included. That's right. And they inform how we show up and treat each other every single day. And as soon as somebody is saying, nah, not that interested, they got to go. Hey, I don't know if you know a guy named Doug Wilson up in Carmel, Indiana. Amazing dude. This I do not. Monon Capital, you have to meet him. He's he's wild. He's like he's he's an incredible guy, but he he tells everybody that he invests or or in his companies, he's like, "Here's the attributes I want to share in my life and the way." And he said if there's ever an experience that you have that doesn't line up with those attributes, I want you to say this certain phrase. I think we're off base, Doug. He said, now I don't respond to any other phrase, but this phrase has been locked in. And what yeah. this tells me is that what you're experiencing from me is not what I told you is my That's intention. Right. And he said, this yep. allows me to realign when I'm, when I'm, when I'm not, cause I'm, That's I'm right. going to miss it. That's a hundred percent. I'm going to miss it. Yeah, we, we need reminders. We need people in our lives who are going to remind us of the man that we want to be. Um, and, you know, you set those things up ahead of time. You talk about them all the time. You um, you seek that counsel. Um, and, yeah, you just need to be reminded. We all do. Man, I tell you, I love the way you see things. You got two books. Now, I'm I'm going to put, uh, put them in, in the chat so everybody yes. can get to some of your content because you – Again, I love the way you see the world. You're you're my kind of folks. I can tell if I harmonize right off the bat, you know. And I say this, I said, when my heart hums like a tuning fork, then I <laughs> yeah. know God's talking to me through what someone else is saying. That's how I look for mentors and collaborators. 
Yes. It's, uh, it's, amen it's, to that. My, the Holy Spirit hums inside. Like it's not their words. It's God's words coming through right. them. Exactly. He showed them along their journey. Weary, another weary traveler telling exactly. me about what they had along the way. That's right. Exactly. And yours is, man. Dang. So three questions that we always ask kind of in a little ending of our thing and borrow our, our yeah. friend's perspective. So who do you know about that we should know about? Who's doing some great work in the world? You say, guys, you got to check these guys out. So, I, I mean, the a guy, I just met him in October um, and got to uh, spend some time with him. In fact, um, uh, we put on an annual conference here in Austin. And so he was one of our speakers uh, that we invited. And so we were sitting back in the green room just talking. And uh, I think I was supposed to uh, be more out in the audience and listening uh, and engaging. Anyway, I'm just, we're just back there captivated. We're just talking and and really uh, sharing all aspects of, of life with each other. So the guy is John Acuff and what a fantastic uh, guy. And, uh, you know, in a short amount of time has become a good friend and we just, uh, we, we enjoy, uh, this journey, uh, that we're on together. And I would say, you know, outside of speaking and books and all the other cool stuff he does, man, one-on-one with, with, uh, John Acuff is, uh, is, is pretty spectacular. Oh, that is awesome. He, we read his books. I, we don't know him personally, but the content, fabulous. My partner yes. loves it. I mean, he's just, he can put the cookies on a low shelf where everybody can get to it. Yes. And, and the, 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 the level of, 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 of mastery it takes to make beautiful and simple statements is highly misunderstood. Yes, absolutely. He is dang good at it. So, yes, he thank is. you for that. Okay, what have you done that we should do? What experience marked you? And you said this is something that 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 made my life richer, better, see God different. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've I've um, and continue to strive to do is figure out what what is what prison do I exist in um, that I've made for myself. Um, and so for me, uh, a prison that I made for myself uh, is this idea of of converting all emotion to anger. Um, and, uh, learning how to live a vulnerable life. Um, and, you know, I believe that God instructs us, uh, to give each other empathy, um, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. But what it takes is it takes, um, a human to be vulnerable in order for empathy to exist. And so I just spent way too much of my life, um, closed off, um, hidden behind this, uh, illusion of fine, good, and okay, and so that's something that I'm having to overcome each and every day, but it's been so fulfilling. You know, vulnerability looks amazing when you watch someone do it, but when you try to, yeah. like, I told people I was so broke when first got got saved. I, we were a billion and a half dollars in debt, ninety nine thousand dollars overdrawn. Said. I just need some help. I said, it feels like going in front of the, like the Auburn stadium with 93,000 people snatching your pants down and said, Hey, <laughs> when y'all get done laughing, I need some help. That's what yeah, it feels exactly. like to be vulnerable. But one thing Ash and I have found, we create safety by the yeah. level of our vulnerability. Like Ash and I create right. a safe space because we've yet to meet anybody more screwed up than us. Like most people That's just right. go, Oh, there's so much hope for me if people like you can make it. I mean, that's what all the time <laughs> I told right. somebody at a men's retreat not long ago, uh, my buddy Chris Powers, a Fort podcast. He did this men's retreat and we, I was hanging out there and I told him, I said, I just wish I knew what it was like one time to be the not the least, the most screwed up guy in the room. I want to feel <laughs> like you guys feel one time. Yeah. But one yet time. to yeah. do it, yet to do it. Yeah. I mean, the I, you know, I think about there are, are things that I, now don't mind sharing. Um, and those things are now no longer vulnerability. And so what that's what right. I, it's just it's keep now the bar keeps raising, right? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I, I define it this way. Uh, think about the thing that you dread the most to say. Um, that's what you need to say. And that's um, where and, it starts. Yeah. It it and it's a and it's an exercise every single day. But if I if I hadn't started down that path uh, eight years ago, I I can't imagine uh, you know, who I'd be today. Um, and to see God move and do amazing things in and through my life because of that simple act of obedience, uh, has been, uh, absolutely phenomenal. So that'd be one thing I would say, uh, is worth doing. 
Well, you're, I would just say to our listeners, Revelations says it this way. Revelation reads like stereo instructions. I'm in it right now in the one-year Bible. <laughs> I read that thing. I get by bits and pieces. The rest seems like an acid trip sometime. But but <laughs> anyway, I read the thing. And one thing that does hit you, though, is you overcome, we overcome two ways. The blood of the lamb, which is what he did for us. And the word of mm-hmm. our testimony, which is what he That's did right. through us and in us. I love it. And when we keep saying that, that thing's working. Exactly. I love that. And it don't matter what your testimony is. If it's just, I was sitting there and he found me, it's a killer one. It's good news. It is. It's fantastic. Or you'd be like an idiot like me and did a massive belly flop in public. Had to have good Lord come and help you. But whatever it is, it's worth telling. Last right. what have you read that we should read? So I just recently read it. I actually, uh, and so I'm going to go back to the same well here. Um, I'm sitting with uh, John in the green room and he's, uh, we're talking and then of course his books come up and I had read several of his books, but uh, one of his latest ones, Soundtracks, uh, had come out and I hadn't read it yet. And so um, I read it. Uh, it It's so good. Um, it's it's right in line with where I try to spend a lot of my time with the men in, in my community which is this area of men's mental health um, and soundtracks isn't obviously about necessarily just mental health, but it's about the things that we lie to ourselves about all the time. Mm. Um, and so these, these soundtracks, these things that we tell ourselves uh, that are just not true. Again, going to back to what I said before, we rarely see ourselves the way God sees us. And so we tend to fill our mind um, with things that are untrue. And so this idea that we need to pursue things that are true um, I love soundtracks because it really is a great reminder um, that that we've got to fill our mind with things uh, that are authentic, things that are true. Um, and we need to do that uh, with relationship with our God, but then also through authentic community where people can speak truth uh, into how they see us, how God sees us, so that we can remember and have mental health that is uh, uh uh, really a healthy mental health um, so that we can be that for those in our community as well. It's dead on. You know, I think about this. We wash our minds with the water of the word. And when you wash yeah. that thing often, it gets cleaner. That's like our wives. The Bible says, hey, wash yeah. your wife in the water of yeah. my words and then present her back to yourself, holy and blameless. And yep. the washing my mentor, we talk about the mind. That's where the battlefield of this thing is. It is. And we're the gatekeepers of our mind. Nothing can get in That's there right. without our approval. We That's say, right. yes, come on in or not. But once we let things in that start as Ugh. a foothold, become a stronghold and launch attacks on life. And, yep. and, and what God's in the business of doing is pulling down strongholds. And all exactly. things that exalt themselves against the glory of God. And he wants to clean your mind. And I'll tell That's you, right. for, for you men, there's a miracle. And I say it over and over is God to work with me to get a, my, where my mind, I could close my eyes and not see anybody naked, but my wife. Now you may mm-hmm. not think that's a dang miracle, but I do. Cause yeah. I know what it was like to live so long with so many images in my mind. And what I realized yep. is the most complex filing cabinet that's ever been built. And oh, God yeah. built a way to clean this thing. What he says is just take he every does. thought captive to the obedience yep. of Jesus Christ. So you have, you take it along. Maybe you're out there cutting the grass and bam, there's a set of boobs. You go, oh my God, listen, what are those doing there? Well, they're there. I take that thought captive to the obedience yeah. of Jesus Christ and stick any little piece of word in there. I'd always yeah. use thy word. I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Well, you do that enough, buddy, and the filing cabinet's full of God. He cleans right. the whole thing. And then all you got to do is work on keeping the clean, cabinet clean as That's it right. gets corrupt files. And and a lot of that for me has come into this idea again of saying, okay, well, what whatsoever things are true. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of um, of straying, of of doing things that I know disappoint or upset my God, it's it's the reality that those other things will somehow bring me pleasure or joy uh, or happiness um, outside of him. And and that's just a lie. It's a and sham, it, it, but it's the it same is. old sham that keeps working. Same thing. That's right. And so this idea of like poor mental health, really the root of it is, is living out behaviorally living out lies mm. uh, that we've told ourselves, whether it's in that one moment of time or whether it's over a 20 year period. And, and we decide to, to take our own lives. The, the reality is 
this poor mental health, this, this idea of depression and anxiety and all these different things that create such loneliness and isolation, the other result of a, of a lie that's been told over and over and over and over again, so much so that we believe it. Well, we're, I, I'm speaking, we're trying to speak less this year, but I'm speaking at one thing. One of our one of our clients has approached this, and there's a mental health conference on for construction leaders. And, wow. And the, the, mm. the uh, suicide in the construction business is multiples greater than other industries. Mm. And That's what awful. I realized, see, I ended up in the attic of my house fixing to hang myself. And, and here's the lie, I believe. Like today, on listening to this thing, when they listen, 20% of the people will be contemplating suicide statistically. Mm. And, and I want to stand against that thing, which is this. When, it, when, the, when the enemy tells you kill yourself, the truth is die to yourself. When the enemy yeah, says exactly. take your life, the truth is lay mm-hmm. your life down. What you're yep. feeling is right. You should die, but to yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's right. the lie of the enemy. He he steals, kills, and destroys. He's the perverter he does. of the truth. And if you're the life you're living isn't worth living, that's the truth. If you believe it, that's but right. It's a life for you. And it's one that was back at Calvary got started. Just enter on in this thing. The water's good. Come on in. Amen. I love it. All right, my friend. Thank you for sharing with us. I'm going to send people. We have to do another one. You're too smart to get it all yeah. in one thing. But I like well, you. I like the me way on. you talk. You've got an excellent beard, a good camera, and you're a smart <laughs> guy doing the right stuff. So, guys, check him out. You're going to love looking into all Chris and his wife are doing. And I'm, I'm just grateful to get to meet guys out there doing this. And every time I meet someone who's loving God, loving their wife, and, and putting it out into the world, my heart just leaps. Amen to that. Blessings, my friend.